and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. This is the message for Sunday morning, August 7th, 2022. We asked three people to answer the same question, which was, what is one scripture that changed your life? Here are Eric Snyder, Maddie Cox, and Bill Reeser. Good morning. Uh, what scripture uh, changed my life? It was actually James chapter 2, verse 24, if you want to go ahead and look that up. And the reason it changed my life is not because it inspired me or not because it increased my faith in Jesus or anything, but because this was at a very crucial, pivotal point in my life at the age of 22. And what this verse did for me was it was a tool that I was intending to use to potentially reject my faith. Look at James chapter 2, verse 24. I'm going to quote from the version that I looked at at that age, and it says, So you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. And what James means by works there is good deeds, uh, loving deeds, doing good things, helping people, helping the, the poor, the hungry. So, man is, so you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Now, if you'll turn over to Romans chapter 4 and verse 5. And the Apostle Paul writes in his letter to the Romans, And to him who does not work or do good deeds, to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted or is counted as righteousness. I was raised in a Christian home. We were in church every time the door was open. My mother was very zealous for God. And by the time I got in high school, I was working at a Christian television ministry. And I, I, I started working there, and I, I was very enthused about working with these spiritual giants that I thought were going to be there. <laughs> and it didn't take very long before I realized, you know what, these people are as flawed as I am. And... Uh, and then the family that I thought was just this iconic, strong Christian family wasn't what I thought it was. My, my, my dad left my mother for another woman. They divorced. We lost our house. We lost everything. And by the time I was 22 years old, I was very much on my own. And I got to the point where I thought, you know, if the faith that I was raised in, the faith that I understood, came from such flawed people, maybe my faith is flawed. Maybe this isn't true. Maybe I need to look at this again. Like Lee talked about, start over. And so I, I began to have doubts. And I, I wanted to look at the apparent contradictions that were in the scripture. And I latched onto this one between James and Paul that seemed to be saying two different things. Now, contradiction is two things that cannot be true at the same time and in the same relationship, as opposed to a mystery, which is simply something that I do not understand yet because I don't have enough information or I don't have the capacity to understand. So I want to know, is this a contradiction? Because if it is, then the Word of God is flawed and maybe my faith is flawed. Or is it simply a mystery that somebody can explain? And so we had, a, we had this live 
uh, talk show every morning at our local TV station where local pastors would come and share from their hearts. Uh, and it was, a, it was actually, you know, this was in the 80s. Christian TV was still legitimate, <laughs> I guess. And people were, they were, we had a big audience. And so every time a pastor would come on, I would go right to that pastor at the end of the show and I would say, can you please explain to me what James chapter 2 verse 24 means? And they would be like, um, I wasn't ready for this. Uh, so he, well, yeah, I guess it just means that, you know, James is talking to Christians who aren't acting like Christians and telling them, you know, you need to, you need to be more loving. And I said, yeah, except that, you know, both James and Paul are using Abraham as their analogy, and they're both using the word justification. And if you understand justification, it means that the righteousness of Christ, it's a legal term that Paul uses, has been credited to your account in exchange for faith, that rather than being being looked at as who you actually are, God looks at you with, through the eyes of Christ. In other words, you have his goodness, his righteousness, everything that is Christ is credited to your account. You are justified by faith alone, according to Paul. But if what James is saying is true, then it's not just by faith. It means I have to be good enough, and I'm not good enough. I can't do enough good deeds. And if that's the case, then I might as well look at some other beliefs and some religions and start over. And so with every pastor that came through, I would ask and I would never get the kind of answer that I wanted and unbeknownst to everybody else, my faith was getting weaker and weaker. And then one day, a new pastor that was in town came and he was a guest on the TV show and he sounded like he really knew the Bible. And so right after the show, I went up to him and I said, his name was Tom Couch. I said, Pastor Couch, can you please explain to me what James chapter 2, verse 24 means? And he said, sure, would you read it to me? I said, oh, okay. So I opened my Bible, find it, say, so you see then that a man is justified, stop, he interrupts me. What does the text say? You mean what I just read? Yes. Read it again. So you see then that a man is justified, Stop. What does the text say? It says, so you see then that a man is justified. Stop. <laughs> what does it say? Who sees? You see. Oh. You can't see somebody's faith. All you can see is the evidence of their faith. Well, this totally agrees with Paul. Paul goes on to say that anyone who is justified in Christ is now indwelled by the Spirit of Christ who begins to change them over time to be like Jesus, where they start to love like Jesus. They start to have compassion like Jesus. They start to do loving deeds like Jesus. And so you begin to see that. You know, what we believe comes out in our actions. You can tell what somebody really believes, especially under pressure, by their actions. We see this all the time. You know, you can actually see how severe the weather is going to be based on how the weatherman dresses. Did you know that? <laughs> if the meteorologist is wearing his dress jacket and tie, everything's okay. Okay, you don't need any audio. You don't need it. It might be a little, might be variations in the weather. You don't need any. You don't, all you, all you got to do is look at the suit. He's, he's dressed. Everything's good. If he takes the tie off, which Todd Howe did this week, by the way. You might be in for a bumpy ride. 
You need to keep your eyes open for what's going on. If he takes the jacket and the tie off, we could be in trouble. <laughs> you, need to, you need to buckle up and get ready. It's going to get rough. Now, I lived in hurricane country. You don't want this to happen. If he takes the tie and the jacket and he rolls up his sleeves and he's got a five o'clock shadow, it's too late. You should have already evacuated. You better find a safe place, okay? So he, he reveals what he believes by his actions. That's not really what James is saying. He's saying that a person, who a person is is revealed by their actions. If they are in Christ, Christ comes out. So I said, Pastor Couch, I got, I got a lot more questions. And I became a pest to this man. I came to his church. I asked him a bunch of questions when he would be done. I bothered him. I pestered him. I came to his house at all times of the day. I was a nuisance to this man. And he opened his door to me. And he welcomed me into his life. And he opened up the scriptures to me. And he showed me who Jesus is. Now, I used to think that Pastor Couch rescued my faith because he answered my questions. That's not really what happened. He rescued my faith because of the relationship. He became my mentor, my pastor. I'm, I was 22 then. Uh, he just last month retired from ministry at his church in Granville, Michigan. Uh, he had probably the single greatest impact on my life, but it was the relationship. God did what he did to the extremes that he did in Christ, not so that you would know the right things, not so that you would do the right things, but that's so that he could have you with him for eternity in relationship. That's why he did those things. Now, Pastor Couch also said something else that was wise. He said, when you see somebody coming at you with an issue and a lot of emotion, the issue is never really the issue. Maybe, maybe I needed, maybe Jesus knew that I needed a godly man in my life who wasn't going to abandon me, who shared the love of Jesus with me. So there's two things I want to conclude with this. If you're seeking proof, if you're seeking to have all the answers before you have faith in Jesus, you're never going to, you're never going to get there. We're, we're never going to know enough. We're never going to understand enough. We're never going to have the capacity to understand Almighty God. We have to trust in Jesus. And secondly, those of you who have trusted Jesus, you, some of you are afraid because I don't know the Bible well enough to give them answers to their questions. All you need to do is love like Jesus loved. All you have to do is open up your door, open up your heart, open up your home to people and show them the love of Jesus. That's what James chapter 2, verse 22, 24 did for me. And um, it changed my life. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, Lord. I don't have uh, all the answers. I don't, I don't know why when the, when the weatherman rolls up his sleeve, somebody's probably going to die. I don't know uh, why my family had to fall apart. I don't know why there's so much suffering and chaos and so many contradictions in the world, but also in my own life. I, 
I don't know how to do a lot of things, but I know that you love me. I know that you died for me, and I know that you shared that love through key people in my life that have changed it, Father. And I pray that you would help us to do that in other people's lives. So thank you, Lord, for your love and all you, for the extremes that you went through in our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Maddie Cox is up next. Let's give it up for Maddie Cox. Hey, guys. Don't mind my noise. I sound a little stuffy, but all's well. COVID-free, so praise the Lord. <laughs> um, when Tom asked me that question, it was kind of difficult. Like he said, there's like a million things that could come to mind. But I did nail one down because I feel like the Lord through the past week has brought it to the forefront of my mind. It was a really pivotal point in my walk with Jesus. And it's from Psalm 103. And I want to read it to you. It says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Another translation says, Don't forget all the good things he does for me. Who forgives all of your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And so I promise I'm going to get to why that uh, affected me, but I want to go back to the place that I was in life. And the only thing I can think of to give you a pretty clear description of how I was feeling in life is like, I've read Harry Potter this year, and I learned what a Dementor was. <laughs> and I feel like it, there was this long season of life, and I was a teenager, and I was in high school, and then also like the start of my college year, my freshman year, I felt like every day of my life, I was walking into a room, a building of Dementors. Like, if you are going to high school, Guys, shout out to you, because there is nothing harder. Like, as a teenager, the insecurity is, like, rampant, and it's, it's crazy. It's like there's, like, a cool meter, and you have so many things on your plate to juggle. Like, do you have a relationship? Are you making a 32 on your ACT, and is your family awesome? Are you awesome? Are you skinny? Are you playing sports? And if you're playing sports, are you any good at them? And it felt like, oh my gosh, like I didn't know what to do. But I basically in high school, if you can pretend like you've got it all together and you keep all of it masked up perfectly, you might make it out alive. <laughs> and I feel like by the end of my high school year, like my senior year and into my freshman year, I just couldn't do it anymore. Like everything fell apart. And later on, I realized it was the Lord um, saving me, saving me from the pit because it was the pit. But it was crazy. And I got to this place where I was like, I don't know what to do. My life is falling apart. I haven't been able to juggle all the things that I thought I needed to. I'm, I'm not enough. And because of the way the world is, and I think we can all say this in adult world too, like there's so many like things that you can look at and say, are, is this person enough? Do they have the right job? Do they have the right clothes? Do they have 
the right anything. And I just was to the point where I said, I'm not enough. And God probably doesn't think I'm enough either because all these people in my life have, kind of like Eric said, I felt abandonment and I felt like, no, these people have deemed me not enough at school. And um, so I got to this place in life where I was falling apart and I remember calling Christy Younger in the Kroger parking lot. I was like, my mom was going in to shop for groceries and I was like, you go, you go on in. I'm going to stay in here. And so I called Christy and she said something to me that was pretty like confusing at the time. She offered me a relationship with Jesus. She was like, hey, everything in your life feels chaotic right now. And the only thing I can offer you is someone named Jesus who you can cling to and he's going to he's going to help you. And it was confusing for me because I was like, well, if God is like anything like these people at school or these dementors in my life, he is going to be ashamed of me. He's going to think I am like a loser, like I'm a disappointment because that's how I felt. And so I kept hanging out with Christy and Lee, like they were in my life. Uh, at the worst point of my life. And I kept, I met some newer people along the way that were really sweet. And I soon realized the common thread holding them all together was they had a life with Jesus. And I was like, wait, like, Jesus can't be both. Like, he can't, he can't think I'm a loser. And people like Lee and Christy treat me with genuine kindness. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go figure out if this is for me. And I want to figure out what a life with Jesus would look like for me. And so I found myself, like Anna Younger is going to Tennessee Tech. I was in in Tennessee Tech, and I was in the university center, and I would go to this little Starbucks on campus, and I would just start opening my Bible like, like I didn't know what I was doing. I would just fumble through it and find stuff. And my heart started to like melt towards that, just that time of like searching for Jesus. And then there was a day where I read this psalm, and I was pleasantly shocked with what I heard because it said, one, I wrote these things down. It said, let me find it. It said this. It said, God wants to do good things for me. God forgives me. He is not ashamed of me, and he's not done with me. He actually forgives me. Um, God loves me. He, He just loves me. I've not done anything right, it seems like, and he just loves me anyways, and he has compassion on me. And the best part of this was like, he wants to redeem my life from this pit that I'm in. And I was like, whoa. Like, there is some, this felt like, I felt like warm all over, and it was like, God is talking to me. God wants to redeem my life from the pit, and he wants to give me good things. He wants to satisfy what I desire and give me good things. And I kid you not, like within a couple months, like I really did believe it, and my life drastically changed. I believed those things. I believed they were true, and I believe that's how God felt about me. And a confidence came over me that was incomparable to where I was and it's the only explanation is the Holy Spirit and I think about like I I was thinking about my two favorite meals and I was thinking about well my favorite meal versus my least favorite like my least favorite place to go would be Burger King like chicken fries that's weird (laughs) like fake chicken and grease and like old stuff sitting out and I I was just thinking what my life before understanding this about how God felt about me it was like Burger King 
old french fries, three day old. And then it was like, oh, there's this place called the Walnut Kitchen in Maryville, and it is bomb. Like, it is like steak and fresh potatoes, and it's just like a five-star meal. And I was like, there is no way I'm going back to believing that I'm not enough, that God does not want to help me, that he does not approve of me, that he does not love me. And what he's done in my life is just amazing. And really, some of those things that he's given me to satisfy my desires. I, like, I have a husband and a kid, and he, like, like, my husband loves me, and he loves Jesus, and he sorry, he gave me a job where I get to hang out with high schoolers who are like in the mentor world like I was. Like, it's just crazy. Once you believe it, you don't want to go back because what God gives you is just the best. It's really like old french fries or walnut kitchen. There's no, (laughs) there is just no comparison. And so I just want to challenge us all because it still feels like that. It's not just high school. It's adult world too where we feel inadequate and we feel insecure and we wonder if we're good enough. Um, And so if you start to feel that way this week, let's just stack hands up. Maybe we'll go back and read this and believe it and let it sink in that God cares about us. He has compassion on us. He loves us. He wants to renew us um, and let that guide our life. And we'll take confidence in that. And so I'll pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for my friends in this building, friends that have seen me walk from life to death. Um, Thanks for Lee and Christy and all the people that pointed me to Jesus, pointed me to you so that I could feel this for myself. Um, Pray that it would take root in our lives this week, that we would find our confidence and security in our youth in you. Amen. Keep your hands together for my dear friend, Mr. Bill Reason. Well, gosh, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of irony happening. One, I usually can't introduce myself in less than 10 minutes, so we're, we've got issues there. And the fact that Tom's pacing around worried about time is just ridiculous. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, so that's a little bit what's happening right now, uh, here right now. But, um, so have you ever met um, or seen someone that immediately when you saw them, you thought, hmm, there's... There's something different right there. There's something different going on. Like when you saw them or you met them or were introduced, you're like, you can just feel um, that there's, there's something different. Think about that for a sec. For me, I've spent a lot of time over the years um, working with high school students and so had been around and obviously met a ton of folks, met a lot of high school kids that I definitely thought that at the time. I was like, ooh, there's something going on here. Uh, <laughs> Um, but more specifically, athletics. So we go to a lot of sporting events and a lot of football games and whatnot. And um, I noticed it there. It's um, probably something y'all have dealt with here. If you went to an Oak Ridge football game when T. Higgins was here. There you go. So Sarah was there. Um, I'm, I'm guessing, I wasn't there, but I'm guessing you were like, as soon as you saw him play, you were like, oh, 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 there's like a little something different happening right there. Like, <laughs> like, like that is what uh, a college football player looks like. That's what a professional athlete looks like when they're 16. 
probably a little bit like that. And that's happened to me in a couple different places over the years. Um, one of them was actually when I did live here years and years ago. Um, I was part of helping out with a, a golf tournament here. And I would often play with high school students. I helped put the tournament together, but I always kind of wanted to just play with a bunch of high school dudes. Um, in the reality that we were probably weren't going to be any good, and that's okay. We weren't going to compete. I was for the, there for the fellowship. And so this particular tournament, um, we got a couple days out, and there was only two other high school guys, and I asked. I said, hey, would you, is there like somebody else you can get? We need a foursome. Will you grab one of your friends? I'm okay with us being terrible. Just ask somebody. And so, um, so they did, and day of the tournament, we get to the tee. Um, we all get ready to tee off. There's about, uh, the first three of us went, and this freshman kid stood up to tee off. And when he teed off, it was like, oh. <laughs> well, oh, okay. This is different. If, even if you don't play golf, you probably could have seen it. Not only the swing, but the distance, the length. You were just like, oh, okay, something's going on here. Well, for those of you that are familiar or know anything about golf or pay a little bit of attention, Scott Stallings um, is who I'm talking about, who is a professional golfer who has gone on to win three professional tournaments and make dumb money doing it and is even playing um, as we speak um, today. And so, but when I saw these folks, when I experienced this, um, I could tell that there was something different. And for me, I feel like the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, that when somebody experiences that, when somebody sees that in me, that it should elicit a similar response. Like that when you experience and see and know the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, you're like, oh, oh like there's something going on here. Like, the reality, the realization that we have the power to become more like Jesus every day and com become completely different, when that became clear to me that I had um, that opportunity through the Holy Spirit, it changed my life. Galatians 5.22 is what I'm speaking of, and some of you are familiar um, but as I read this, I want you to hear all of it because there's a lot there and what I'll get to is a lot there that you can spend the rest of your life growing in. Galatians 5.22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Hear them again. Love, joy, tell your face. <laughs> Peace, patience, you're kind, goodness, you're faithful. You have self-control. That's a lot. But when I realized, like, so wait a second, like, I'm in relationship with Jesus because of his life, death, and resurrection. I have access to this fruit through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me. What? 
Like, I don't even know, I remember, I don't even know what some of these things are. I don't have these things. Like, I don't. And to make things worse, and this is kind of true for a lot of us, like, I've never seen them. I didn't experience them growing up. I have no idea what you're talking about. I've not lived in a home where these things are evident or real. So as I've begun this new relationship with Jesus, it's like, what are you talking about? And then as you grow older, you realize, and I, I need this now. I need this, this in the midst of the life we live, the world that we live in. By the way, the opposite of this, for the most part, feels like the world that we live in. Relationships, your job, decisions, your future, your family, your spouse. I need these things to be evident in my life and all of these things to the point where someone says, oh, okay. And the only thing I knew at the time was to seek out people that apparently had some of these things because I knew it was going to be a battle, that it was going to be the long haul. And my encouragement to you and what was given to me was go find yourself people that are experiencing this fruit, people that have been walking with Jesus, people that have experienced this life and the Holy Spirit in them, and sit with them, talk with them, walk with them, ask them questions. And some of those questions are going to end up being pretty hard because they sound something like, what do you or don't you see in me? What areas do I need to grow? Because I had blind spots. We have blind spots. You need to ask people, your best friend, your family, your spouse, I can promise you that if you ask your spouse, <laughs> you will know exactly where you need to grow. I can promise you. Because there's things that you're missing. When I was a kid, um, my stepdad decided that one summer we were going to be farmers, which is to say we lived in suburbia, but he decided we were planting a garden in the backyard. And not just any garden. For those of you that are farmers, you'll appreciate the fact that for some reason he thought 36 tomato plants would be good to plant in our backyard. <laughs> Three rows of corn, okra, watermelon, green beans, the whole thing. It was beautiful. I don't know what he was doing, but I think he was living vicariously through his father. But he planted this, and guess who was responsible for weeding it the entire 100-degree summer? That's right, me. <laughs> and so I watched it grow. Um, and honestly, it was beautiful from fruit, uh, from uh, tomatoes to corn to all the stuff. The only fruit that was not being produced was um, okra which, by the way, is a fruit. I Googled it. <laughs> Some of you farmers might go back and forth, but the only fruit that wasn't growing was okra. And if you know anything about okra, the plant itself grows to about seven or eight feet tall. And I saw it, and it was beautiful, and it was green, and it had huge leaves, and it had zero fruit on it. Zero. And so I watched my dad labor over um, the fact that this wasn't happening, he, that there was no fruit coming. And finally, he picked up the phone and he called his dad and he said, uh, I don't know what's going on. We've got tomatoes, we've got corn, everything's beautiful, the plants are huge. But every day I go out, I've watered, I check these okra plants out, and all I can tell you, I mean, granted, there's, there's these little yellow flowers that I've seen every day that I've pulled off all summer long because... <laughs> 
That's the fruit <laughs> trying to grow for those of you that don't know okra. There's things that we miss. There's things that we don't see that cause the fruit not to grow. And even for a lot of us, we might look beautiful on the outside, if you will, but for some reason, there's no fruit growing. For a lot of us, we think we see it, but we don't. And that is why I would invite you, as I did, to invite people into your life to walk with you and to help you grow. Here's the cool part about it. This is something, whether you're 6, 16, or 60, you can continue to actually get better at. Like, as I thought about this this week, and I speak of professional athletes, I thought, well, you know what? In the not-too-distant future, those guys aren't going to be that good anymore. They're, they're going to get old. I know. I feel it. I play golf with my kid. I used to kill him. Now he beats me all the time. Like, I'm getting worse. <laughs> and I thought to myself, when you think about the fruit of the Spirit and what Christ does inside us, Christ in us. It's actually something you can, could, and should continue to grow in your entire life. Whether you just met him at 16 years old, I promise you that if you ask around, somebody will say, if, if Christ lives in you, that they'll say, oh, I, I see it already. I can see you changing. I see things happening. And then if you're 60, you're like, I want to sit with that person because they continue to grow. They're becoming more like Jesus. They spend time every day with him. The only thing I would caution you with is there is a tendency when you put yourself out there to be defensive, and this is true of me. And one of the things that I would say that a lot of us, especially a lot of high school kids and young college students that I've been a part of and walked with is well, that's just the way I am. It's who I am. Like for me, all I saw was fighting. Sorry. And so anger and whatnot becomes a part of who you are. Like what you saw, what you've experienced, what you're seeing, what you've grown up in and around, you become those things. And then you meet Jesus and find out it's, this is not what it looks like at all, but you have a tendency to say, well, it's just, it's just who I am. I mean, I'm just not a patient person. Like, it's just not who I am, I'm sorry. Well, I know you want me to more, be more gentle, hon, but I'm, it's just not who I am. You can't say that, because that is not Christ in you. Instead, you need to beg him to take it from you. So the good news is you will, you can grow and change through the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. He's been doing it for 2,000 years. We see it all over the scriptures. We saw it when he healed a blind beggar, a guy that probably didn't have a ton of friends. He obviously had no money. His family had probably written him off. But he knew enough to call out to Jesus. And Jesus, in ways that we can't explain sometimes, changed his life. So much so that people didn't even recognize him. His neighbors, this is John 9, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this, isn't this the same man that used to beg? Well, some claim that he was, maybe. 
No, 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 no. He, he only looks like him. But the man himself insisted, it's me. I'm the man. I'm the man. I'm different. What you're seeing is Christ in me. Do people look at you and go, hmm, she's different. He's different. He can. He can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray. <clears throat> Father, thanks for a sweet morning. Thanks for your word. Thank you. Just as I sat and listened myself to what you've done, how you work, how you use people in our life, and all three of those stories to hear how because of that, because of your word, because of the spirit, you became real, not only to the three of us, but I pray and hope that that is true for everybody here, that we would seek you, that we would know you, that we know your spirit inside of us, that we would become more kind and gentle and faithful and loving and patient and peaceful and joyful. Amen. Well, everywhere you turn, it seems there's a face turned down with the tears in their eyes. Is it a nightmare that the world streams and the pace of the crowd doesn't slow as it goes by? And what can I really do with just these two hands at my side? Is it that simple? Can I make a ripple in this overwhelming tide? So today I'll take one step I'll hand out one cup of water And it ain't done yet He's gonna pour it out farther I'll take one step I'll hand out one cup of water
gonna take our fish, take our love. 